Welcome to the 64th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Mark Stevens, author of Buried by the Wrong, the latest Allison Coyle mystery. The Allison Coyle mysteries are an acclaimed mystery series rich with the Colorado setting. Stay tuned for the interview. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Mark Stevens. Stevens' novel, Buried by the Rhone, is available in bookstores now. Buried by the Rhone is a mystery novel set in Colorado featuring the protagonist, Allison Coyle. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Jeff. Sure. Well, before we get started on questions, I wondered if you could read the first paragraph of the novel. Oh, I, I, I appreciate it. Thanks. Here we go. Okay. Allison Coyle tugged the reins on Sonny Boy, and the horse came to a stop with a labored sigh. His clock was punched. Allison stood in the stirrups and squeezed her shoulders back, the bones of her torso snapping and popping with exquisite release. Her day was done, too. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Buried by the Rhone before, can you talk about the novel a little bit, about what it's about? Sure. Um, it's the second in the series, and uh, I think the main thing to know at first is the protagonist, Allison, is uh, somebody who um, escaped the city, basically. She survived a very traumatic experience in the city, and... Um, found her healing spot in a, in a place called the Flat Tops Wilderness, which is a, a very uh, large and distinctive wilderness area in western, central western Colorado. And um, <clears throat> she's found this healing spot for her. It's a place where she really now doesn't want to leave, and uh, she's sort of calling it her own. And in the second book, Buried by the Rhone, the main uh, things and themes that she runs up against are... Um, the natural gas exploration in the Western Colorado region, which has become quite controversial, um, particularly around the technique uh, that the energy drillers are using that's called fracking. And uh, fracking has become a national controversy as well in the last uh, even six or eight months that I've been watching. And um, in Buried by the Rhone, there's uh, a clash of... um, uh, environmental um, sort of points of view in the in the surrounding communities um, around the flat tops, which are communities like Lenwood Springs and, and particularly Meeker, and uh, that controversy winds its way up the trail into the flat tops during hunting season and uh, draws Allison into a, um, a murder mystery. Great. Well, I noticed in your bio that you grew up in Massachusetts, but you're writing Buried by the Rhone and your earlier novel Antler Dust and, and writing very evocatively about the Colorado landscape. When you started working on these novels, was there a conscious decision to set them in Colorado or, or since you lived there, was it just a natural decision? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think um, Colorado has been my home now for 31 years and as much as, as much as I love uh, the East coast in Massachusetts and uh, think fondly of my fantastic upbringing in the, in the greater Boston area. Um, 
you know, it'll take a crowbar to get me out of Colorado at this point, just based on, on the mountains and um, all the variety of outdoor activities that they provide. And um, the flat tops in particular, um, I, I had to use the flat tops because the woman who inspired Allison Coyle, um, and she does exist, this, uh, this, 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 Allison is a fictional version of a real a uh, female hunting guide and outfitter that I met years ago up there. And uh, it, it just, the, the, the combination of Allison Coyle and, and the flat tops was um, really just a marriage made in heaven, especially for a mystery writer running across both a strong environment and a strong um, character to put them, put the two together. Sure. Well, you actually just answered my next question because I was going, <laughs> I was going to ask you about the female point of view. Um, since you did base it on, on a, um, uh, somewhat on an existing person, as you just mentioned, um, was there any trepidation on your part? Um, or did you feel like you had to get, uh, you know, some of your female friends to, to, to read the novel and give you feedback since you're writing from a female point of view? Well, first there's trepidation in every single word and sentence, let alone whether I'm trying to cross gender here and try to, um, channel a female, um, point of view. So the answer is yes, and in, in, in wading into um, the idea of writing across gender and um, switching, switching the um, point of view to a female, I basically did, I think, what any, anybody in my shoes would do, which is try to read um, female authors writing female characters. And, you know, I'd read a whole novels, I read dozens and dozens of novels, um, both in mystery and other genres, just trying to really identify what is the, um, what are the traits and characteristics and what specific words, thoughts, emotions, um, attitudes, where is the femaleness of this particular character? Um, whether I was reading a, you know, a Sue Grafton or whether I was reading um, something like Nevada Bar, writing about Anna Pigeon. Um, and, and, and so I did a lot of work and studying, and then it, it sort of occurred to me that really, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, you have access to every single emotion under the sun. You're a human being first, and there's no, um, there's no emotion you can't tap. And I would... Um, you know, I've, I've talked about this. I've been to classes on it. I've, I've been to workshops about this. I think it's a really fascinating sort of um, situation to be in to try to try to develop the character first and really understand your character. Um, and then in addition to that, or as part of that, um, work on the sort of the sexuality and how that plays itself out in the character. So the answer is I put a lot of tried to put a lot of work into it, and yes, indeed, did um, show it to many uh, female friends who are readers and tried to tried to take their feedback and incorporate their feedback. I'm a big believer in in getting group critiques and showing it around to, and really listening to that advice and seeing what common themes emerge, um, as much about the character and then also about the sexual sort of point of view. Sure. Well. You just mentioned some of the the female writers that you kind of studied as you started working on this. I'm curious, um, you know, outside of those writers, who are some of the writers that you um, that inspire you and that you enjoy reading when you're not writing? 
Well, I am a, a voracious reader of both uh, mystery genres and, and, and what I would call general <laughs> straight fiction as well. Um, you know, the, I have to um, take the opportunity to sing the praises of uh, Patricia Highsmith, um, who really got me going in the whole um, uh, mystery realm in addition to James M. Cain. But Patricia Highsmith, uh, to me, I mean, uh, some people, you know, sort of raise their eyebrows and say, who? And then you then you mention films like um, The Talented Mr. Ripley or Strangers on a Train, and they go, oh, okay, now I know what you're talking about. But um, she's dark. She's uh, talk about writing across gender. She, <laughs> she, you know, ninety percent of what I can think of were male characters for her, and very dark and troubled individuals. Um, more kind of mystery thrillers because sometimes you you knew you were following a bad guy like Ripley, um, and not so much the straight Agatha Christie style whodunits. They were more of um, just a psychological thriller. But her ability to draw in a uh, reader and put them in the head of a person is just, in my mind, almost unmatched. And so I'm a big um, fan of hers. Uh, James M. Came, like I mentioned, very, very different writer, but I just really admire the way he chiseled uh, his words and how carefully he put his stories together and how much um, he squeezed the essence of the story down um, really to a fine grain and made made them very enjoyable. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, John Updike, Philip Roth, um, Richard Ford. Um, you know, I've, I've, the big, I'm reading the new uh, Jeffrey Eugenides book right now, The Marriage Plot, and enjoy, I've enjoyed both of his previous works. Um, I, I, I think... Um, you know, there, there's almost really nothing more pleasurable than, than, than sitting and reading a book. And, and <laughs> I just, uh, anybody who suggests something, I'm willing to try it if it comes with a recommendation that's positive. That's great. Well, have you always been a writer? And, and what has what has been the writing path that, that you took leading up to the writing and publishing of Buried by the Roll and, and Antler Dust before that? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I knew from an early age I'd be a reporter. I knew even in high school that was what I was going to want to do. And I sp- spent all my uh, summers in, in college working at a newspaper and um, got hired right out of college. I worked on my college newspaper. I worked on my high school newspaper. Um, I had a strong uh, desire to be a reporter from an early age. So being around writing and trying to put information together from the nonfiction side was something been doing from a very early time and and up as the son of two uh, librarians in 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 the Boston area and I've yet to meet anybody else who can make that claim other than my brothers um it's pretty rare to grow up in a house that is just that focused on books and information and um so I think it was just part of my DNA part of my genes and I really was scared at the idea of writing fiction until about the early 1980s and started a friend to turn me on to mysteries. And I suddenly realized that there was a, a genre, um, an approach, a structure that I could hang my hat on uh, because it had a beginning, middle, and end. The, the big uh, middle, uh, the big sort of straight fiction novels, what, what they call a beginning, a middle, and another middle uh, with no end, uh, really just uh, you know frightened me. So right. the mystery genre gave me something to work on. And... Um, I started writing fiction in the 80s. I wrote a book in the 80s that uh, 
quickly got a good New York agent for, um, and I'll go quickly over this part, but it's sure. a long and, and sorted story, but got a good agent in the 80s, actually quit a, quit a job thinking that I was going to be able to sell a book in about 1989 or 90. Um, wrote another book in the early 90s, um, also got an agent for that one, was actually represented by one of the top agencies in New York, was told lots of promises. Um, this time I didn't quit my job, but um, stuck with it. No, nothing happened. Um, actually wrote an early draft of Antler Dust in the late 90s. Um, had a good, another really good New York agent. Um, worked for a year with that agent to, to make some changes to the script and get it ready. Um, nothing happened. Wrote another standalone thriller um, that is still on the shelf in the early thousands, early um, part of this last decade. And then um, Antler Dust, uh, another version of that, finally sold in 2007 um, after 23 or 24 years of writing fiction. And about the time that was coming off the presses and starting to um, make its way around Colorado and, and other places regionally, um, you know, started working on Buried by Their Own. And um, so I have multiple manuscripts, lots of, and, and, and not a regret here at all. Um, I was just reading um, the um, book called On Writing, and I know there are many books called On Writing, but this one in particular is by George V. Higgins, and I highly recommend it. And he talks in there about how he had some similar experiences um, uh, you know, thinking he was selling some manuscripts and, and nothing happened to them um, in the end. And looking back, looking back, he was um, his attitude was very much, thank God that they didn't sell because I, <laughs> I've learned so much in the meantime. And that's exactly the way I feel. I've learned so much and had such a great time learning as I've as I've gone that uh, I'm happy to have those projects available if I want to try to bring them down and spruce them up. But um, you know. That's where I am today. Right. And and what has been the reception in Colorado to your your novels, Antler Dust and Buried by the Rome? Well, it's been fantastic. Um, nothing short of it as far as I'm concerned. Um, the uh, first book uh, did really well. We sold out our hardcover print run, which was um, 2,000 copies. Um, and... and um, you know, at the time, that publisher said he would bring out a paperback and bring out some of my other stuff, and then he uh, he did, he folded or went under. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I know my project made made uh, money for him, but um, in uh, a couple, let me see, about 15, 18 months ago now, um, ran into another independent publisher, a wonderful organization out of Aspen called People's Press, and. Uh, they primarily focused their work on Western Colorado and hadn't done uh, much in the fiction area, but because my stuff is set there, it, it was a seemed like a good fit. And um, they did bring out a trade paperback version of Antler Dust, and um, already the Buried by the Ronin trade paperback is um, closing in on, on – um, the sales figures from four years of hardback sales on the first one. So, And the response has been great. I've had great reviews in the – um, Durango Herald, uh, the Grand Junction Sentinel, the Aspen Times. Uh, there's a great um, monthly magazine out here called High Country News, and they wrote a beautiful review. Um, just That's great. really good reaction and um, good reviews that um, anybody can check out um, on my website, of course, as any author does these days to try to get <laughs> the word out there. So. And, and what, what is the address for your website if someone wanted to check it out? 
Sure. It's uh, writermarkstevens.com. Very simple. Great. And so are you working on another Alison Coyle novel? I am. I'm about, uh, I would say, three-quarters of the way through a first draft. And uh, right now, um, just chatting with the publisher, no firm deal yet. Um, and of course, they haven't read the book yet. But if, if they like it, I think we're looking at something in, in mid-2013 uh, coming out. Great. Well, when you talk to aspiring writers, what advice do you give them per about pursuing their own writing and publication of their work? Yeah, I'm uh, actively involved in a great organization out here called Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. We have about 400 members, and um, I've been lucky enough for the past few years to be running their uh, monthly workshop program. And so I'm a big believer in networking, and, and there's lots of uh, writers out here in various stages of, the, of their career, and, and that question um, comes up often. Um, and, and I was the recipient of the same advice, and um, it is um, the same advice I'd give back to anybody today, which is um, write, keep writing, write some more, and keep writing, and really listen to the feedback you get. Um, you you there, there is no um, right way to do it. It has to be your story. It has to be the one you want to tell. But if you want to um, move that story out into the marketplace and communicate, um, have other uh, readers experience what you want them to experience, um, it, it really is a good thing to um, listen to others, um, you know, uh, listen carefully. You don't have to take every little bit of feedback. Um, but really continue to to refine and 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 show show care for for what you're trying to do. You may think you're communicating. Um, if uh, eight out of ten readers say they don't quite get it, chances are there's work to be done, and um, it's a long process. Great. And and given your your background in journalism. Uh, how was it different from you? Different for you to to write fiction? Was there was there any kind of learning process there that 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 felt a lot different? Yeah, to me, they're they're really uh, other than the fact that they both have words, they're really <laughs> very different. They're, you know, I, it, I it'd be probably like one would be like playing the violin, and the other would be the trumpet or something. They're just they're both music, but um, they're they're really different. Uh, techniques you're sort of applying and uh i really don't even think my head just thinks completely differently when i'm doing one thing or the other um so those first few scary scary years of trying to think or pretend that i could put a story together in um 80 or 100,000 words that might be entertaining um to me was a totally different space for my head to go. Um, I, I do pull in a lot of research. Both books are very um, based on contemporary themes and ideas. The first book, Antler Dust, had a lot of issues around animal rights and poaching in it. Um, the, the new one, as I mentioned, has the natural gas scene sort of in the background and energy drilling. And so there's a fact layer basis and um, nonfiction basis to some of the information, but on top of that are all the characters and plot issues and trying to keep momentum going in the story and, and learning about dialogue and um, how to how to keep your um, your descriptions uh, you know interesting and uh, maybe a slice of poetry here or there and trying to respect the reader and, and their 
um, trying to just you know engage the reader in a colorful or interesting way. There's a, just a whole set of other skills you have to learn, or or if you if you're born with them, that's great. And I've met some people that are, but I certainly <laughs> wasn't. They were all all things I had to learn and and sort of uh, practice over and over to to try to get and and still trying to make make um, trying to get better today. There's still there's always room for improvement. So. Um, to me, that's just uh, other the, the the fiction the fiction side um, is you know uh, you can take ten percent fact and then really ninety percent imagination and then of course on the journalism nonfiction side you've got to you've got to be at hundred percent hundred percent fact and that's the that's the goal anyway. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Mark Stevens, author of Buried by the Rhone, available in bookstores now. Mark, thanks for doing the interview. Jeff, thanks a million for having me. Sure. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? No, that's great. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and um, uh, thanks for all the excellent interviews um, you've done, Jeff, and, and bringing, bringing voices uh, from writers that we, some of them we know, and, and it's great to hear from others we don't, and really appreciate your efforts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.